Welcome everyone to Already Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 11, it's called Day is Day. So, full spoilers for the episode, as always. Uh, this episode kind of takes a, dare I say, Zeppo-esque uh, approach to, to storytelling, in that we follow Data whilst lots of things are going on in the ship, and it's all about how he perceives all these various things. And how he's trying to pick up lessons from various people about various, you know, human qualities and how he functions. It's, it's all framed with the idea that he's sending Bruce Maddox a, a, just a report of how he's he's doing, how he's operating mm. and trying to adapt to becoming more human. Uh, so there's lots of things going on in the ship. We mentioned in the, you know, the next time on last week that there was the, the wedding, O'Brien's wedding with his wife Keiko, who I've never met before, I don't think, but <laughs> she's here now. <laughs> Definitely not met her before, because um, it stood out to me, because they were like, Data, you set us up. I was like, what? Oh, we definitely didn't have that plot. I knew that much, but... No, no, but I don't remember seeing her at all. So, we have that, but we also have a, a you know, a more serious crisis that ultimately happens with this uh, Vulcan ambassador. Well, alleged Vulcan ambassador. Uh, more on that when we get to it. Um, but, you know, other than that, it's, it's a lot of individual, almost vignettes of data with various characters. Damn, damn it, that's the word things. I was going to use. Well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what do you want from me? I want you to, to have some patience and not leap to the good words right away. What do you want me to do? Dumb everything down for the intro so you can swoop in with some big fancy words? That would be lovely. Well, no, tough. Um, But essentially... There's a lot of good bits of drama here or there, but for the most part, this is just a really good episode that's mainly works because of the comedy of Data not understanding humans and him predicting, because there's, there's a lot more narration in this episode. He's, he's constantly doing this log, kind of internally, and he's talking about, for you know, example, the opening of the episode is that he goes to see Keiko because uh, he's going to be given her away in the wedding. He's been asked to you know be the father of the bride, as it were. And he goes to see her and she's really upset and says, I think it would be best if this, you know, we call this off. And he's like, what, the rehearsal? No, the wedding. He's like, you wish to cancel the rehearsal? And she explains that um, she's not happy. And he's like, well, would canceling the wedding make you happy? He's like, well, yes. And could you please, you know, go to O'Brien and, and tell him. And Data goes to O'Brien and he thinks internally that O'Brien said in the past that he wishes to do whatever it takes to make Keiko happy. So he presents it as, oh, Chief O'Brien, good news! <laughs> There's news of, of Keiko, uh, you know, something that'll make her happy. He's like, oh, what is it? <laughs> She's decided to call off the wedding. <laughs> and, you know, that's, I think that's actually the, uh, what leads into the titles. That's, that's our... That's, that's right at the start, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's our opening kind of, like, cut to titles. Um, and it's just data essentially internally going, uh, I may have miscalculated <laughs> something here. And this is still a little beast like that throughout the episode of him, like, saying he's pretty sure of something, but he has no intuition. He has no gut feeling on something, and he wishes he did, because something feels maybe a little off. And it actually foreshadows kind of the twist uh, with the mm. with the Vulcan ambassador. So, know, how did you feel about this episode? Uh, I liked a lot of the stuff that was happening. Uh, there was a lot of funny moments. I, I wasn't really feeling the narration. Um, and it kind of took me out of it a bit much. It, it was overdone, mm. I think, for my taste. 
That's funny because I actually really like the narration, mainly because I think that's what separates it and sort of solidifies what it is as an episode. Because if it was if it was just what we were having without the narration, it would still feel like it's focusing on you know it's called Data's Day, and you know I, I jokingly referred to this title last time as like why is Data getting a special day when it's someone else's wedding? But that's the point of the episode is that it's not a special day for Data; it's just one of Data's days. This is yeah. just what his day is like. And how he interacts with all these different crew members. Because I, I think early on he lists all the things that are going on in the ship. Ah, there's like, you know, there's a, there's a school play happening. There's at least someone giving birth. There's yeah, an there's some just coming. really um, nice moments of normalcy. And by that, I mean things we don't usually see on the, the ship's operational side, where when they're changing over shift and, you know, change from day to night mode and, mm. you know, the lighting all changes, uh, you know, and, and so on. Oh, yeah, that was a nice little bit of uh, sort of. I don't even want to call it mythology per se, but just, you know, yeah. the world, a little bit of the world. Uh, I mean, some of these scenes, though, are super fun. Uh, trying to pick a wedding gift, and obviously not even, on top of that, not understanding when Jordy says, oh, there'll be a wedding, don't worry. I mean, I know it looks like it's not going to be right now, but trust me, they're going to end up being married by the end of the day, and Data doesn't get it, but he has to go get a wedding gift. So we have a scene with him and Worf trying to pick wedding gifts, and Worf being inadequate i suppose to actually give advice on a human wedding and going my earth parents would often give these and he, he's talking it's like, it's like wine glasses or something he's looking at it's, it was a perfectly fine wedding gift yeah um but i got a good chuckle when he, he switched to the next thing and it was like it was like a glass swan or something with that and data said uh you know i i, I did read though that wedding gifts are supposed to reflect the personality of the person giving the gift this does not remind me of you <laughs> This glass one, yeah. Yeah, yeah give me a good is, is that a thing? Reflecting the personality. Of the, I mean, as, as far as I'm concerned, wedding gifts you pick off the registry. Yeah, that'll do. Um, I imagine there's different customs depending where you are. Uh, I would have assumed more it's meant to reflect the personality of the people getting married based on your what you think in, of them. In, in my experience, they tend to have a list of here's a bunch of you know suggested gifts and, and you just kind of pick one off it like an amazon wish list <laughs> well often yeah they sometimes do but uh that doesn't mean that everyone does that for a wedding well well no but i mean it, my point there was it was about the the people receiving rather than giving oh of course yes well that's done of course in many ways to avoid people getting five toasters uh yes at a wedding or you, just just shit gifts in general uh or or maybe, you know, someone gets some cutlery, which is a solid thing, that a new couple who maybe... Now, admittedly, the whole idea of people only moving in together once they get married is kind of a really old-fashioned idea that most people have already been living together for a long time before they get married now. But the idea being that you're starting a new household, so you need all these household things. Uh, you know, in that yeah. event, you don't need, you know, ten cutlery sets. You don't Re need... Really what it's for is to avoid people giving you shit like that swan. Yes. Yes. I mean, I no have no need for wine glasses either, but I at least concede that they have more of a purpose. You, you may have guests. Uh, I may. I may try to avoid it if I can, but yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, and, and <laughs> given the state of the world right now, probably not for the foreseeable future. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the point stands. Uh, dear. Um, so that, that was a joke. Even just him trying to like get uh, you know jabs correctly, he calls uh, Jordi a, a lumphead, I think he calls him. Um, after Jordy's like, he's got some back and forth with his barber, uh, his, his alien barber, and you know he tries to, you know he tries to play along. Calls Jordy a lumphead, and Jordy, having never heard an insult coming from Data, presumably, 
leans forward and goes, Lumphead? We talk about that. And it's not like he's he's so much like offended, more that he's just like concerned almost. Confused. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm trying to I'm trying to get friendly, you know, jabbing and uh, try to understand that. He's like, oh well, uh, maybe don't try that one with the captain. <laughs> just, <laughs> just an it's idea. Good advice. Yeah. Because uh, you know, because we see him, we see him sort of observe Riker being like popular with the crew. We see him. Uh, he goes to Troy at one point for. Uh, uh, this is when he's he's trying to like patch the marriage back up. He's trying he's trying to put them back together. And... Yeah, because I think he said uh, Kiko should go and see Troy because yeah, yes. that's kind of her job. And it's like, well, no, you you and you know, Data, you know her better, so it should yeah, be well, you. Of course, O'Brien comes to Data for for help, and again, Data kind of reading the instructions on how to be a human a little bit too literally when it says you'll try and make someone you've wronged comf- more comfortable, and he literally offers him a pillow. <laughs> At one point yeah. during the scene. Or, or a better chair. <laughs> Would you like some music? Maybe a beverage. Uh, yeah. But it, it all kind of, again, it all comes back to, because, you know, this scene actually does have some kind of interesting ideas here where Data has, has actually considered that he might want to get married someday and what that would mean. Because he, he seems really, you know, disappointed, for lack of a better word, when Troy makes a, you know, makes a point of saying that growing old together is part of what a marriage is. And he says, well, I can't do that. I, I can't grow old with someone. That's not how I work. Um, and obviously she immediately just tries to reassure him and makes it very clear that, well, yeah, it's, it's kind of, that, that kind of became a thing of marriage because we're all human, but it doesn't necessarily disqualify you from, from a marriage. It makes your marriage different, but anything with it is going to be different because he's not human. Part of the course, yeah. Uh, so, but no, just that idea that he has that, that desire. It's an interesting little bit of character, but it's, I, I think it's impressive that you know, four seasons in, we can have an episode like this and it does kind of feel like it's not betraying anything we already know about Dea. If anything, it's, it's kind just, of cool it's that they're referencing Maddox again. Fresh elements to it. though. Yeah, it's just fleshing it out. It's just, it's expanding it a little bit and him, how he you know reacts in different situations with the marriage stuff with, you know, the, you know I mean, we should get to the dancing which again, plays mostly for comedy where he, you know, he realises he's supposed to dance at this wedding. He goes to Crusher because Crusher has a history uh, of winning she's some the, awards. The, the dancing doctor, apparently. Yes, the dancing doctor. Once upon a time, and she's like, "Okay, keep it between us, but I'll teach you how to how to dance." And I'm I'm glad they addressed this because see when they went to the holodeck and she started showing him tap dancing. Obviously, it was very funny that he could literally just watch her feet and then just recreate it immediately. And it was making her very frustrated that he was just she's like, "Oh, I guess you've got the basics." He's basically a master at it, like immediately because he just it's all math to him, and. I was really glad that this became a point in the scene because I was sitting there like, "Why is she tap teaching dancing? this?" Yeah, tap dancing all way. That's a bit weird. Uh, and then eventually he mentions it's for the wedding, and then she's like, and then she, you know, she raises this point. Like, oh wait, this is for the wedding. No one tap dances at a wedding. Although I did like the joke where he says, "What? Why not?" And she's like, "Well, because well, I don't know, dear, but no one does." <laughs> I appreciate that because <laughs> that was generally quite funny. It was. Yeah. I, I don't know yeah. why people. Don't, I mean, because I've no been like, maybe they should. No, no. I guess it's because no one really knows how to tap dance. Like, unless you're into tap dancing specifically, you probably and don't then, know how to do it. And then you've got to come prepared with your tap shoes. Yes. And you've got to have an appropriate surface. Even assuming you, you know, you know how to tap dance, and you show up at this wedding reception, so like, okay, now you got to get the right surface. You got to have to change your shoes. It's just that's a whole lot of effort. Yeah. Plus, it's not very romantic, I suppose, is for lack of a better term. It's very, it's very singular. Uh, I'm not sure I agree that it's singular, having seen, you know, 
quite large, intricate groups. I will agree that it's not romantic. Well, okay, okay. If you ha if more people happen to know how to tap dance, maybe you can do some group tap dancing. Yeah, but, you can, you you can do a bit of a, a bit of a performance, you know. But uh, that's my point, though. It's a performance. It's not like a an expression of I don't know, like you know, dancing at a wedding or dancing in a romantic sense tends to be a movement you take part in with another person that you can both feel a part of and feel as one and go with the flow with the music. Tap dancing something you do to an audience because it's impressive. That's not what dancing yes. at a wedding is. So I guess no. I, I guess in a roundabout way I've answered the question why is no one tap dance at a wedding? But you have. We've we've thoroughly deconstructed this joke. Yes, uh, it was funny though. I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to take away from the joke itself. <laughs> no, it was it was pretty good. So uh, the main the main gist of the episode though, this kind of loosely hinted at in the first half where it's kind of they're being mysterious about this ambassador who won't speak in front of anyone but Picard, and because everything in this episode is from Data's perspective, whatever Data doesn't know, we don't know either. So we're just hearing little bits but we know it's about the Romulans in some way but we don't know quite what oh, whispers here and there we're going somewhere towards the neutral zone what's going on it does kind of take over the, the episode a little bit in the back half where it becomes more of the the crisis and I guess it was always going to do something like that at some point I think to its to, to a fault though because I think if we are comparing this to Zeppo which I think is an annoyingly fair comparison and what's that... the Zeppo from again oh yes the hit television show but for the vampire slayer Yes, yes. That episode does not do that. Shit still goes down, but it's just in the background still. It never becomes well, the focus. I think that's the difference between Data and Xander as characters. The whole point of that episode in Buffy is that Xander's kind of this oddball, like he's not really useful in the fight itself, whereas Data is actually quite instrumental to the runnings of the ship, and he's usually up there when there's a crisis. Uh, so, As a rule, yes, in this particular scenario don't get me wrong he is the one that comes up with the solution or more has a hunch about the answer but it's not it's not a hunch that was unique to only data's you know mind or skill set anyone could have had this hunch in the background and well, we sure, could have wouldn't, wouldn't it be weird if he was not involved when the crisis started happening when I he's, mean, he's been involved in every crisis we've ever had on the show i i think if it was me I would have done it a little, you know, I would have structured it a little bit differently so the crisis happened while the wedding was taking place, perhaps. And not have him, you know, immediately called out uh, of it. I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to sit and think about it, but I can I can see ways forming. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't. I don't know. I've, 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 I feel like you're giving them an impossible set of standards here for them to, like, fit into the <laughs> slot. <laughs> I don't think I am. They, they uh is Lieutenant Commander and is always involved when anything big is going down oh, on the ship. Oh, come on. You know full well we have had many an episode where Data is not, you know, doing much in the crisis. Yeah, but he's always there. He's always present on the ship. He's always part of the senior staff of the ship. That's always the case. I bet I can find episodes where he's not. Oh, you might find one or two. but And this could have been one of those. Quite, <sighs> quite happily. Nah. Yeah, if if they did the opposite, you'd just be whining even more that it was unreal that he didn't go and get no, involved. I would not. Yes, you would be. You can no, certainly and deny it. You would be. The audience knows I'm right. They know I'm right on this. So no. let's just accept this for what it is. What so what happens is that they're they're going to the neutral zone, and I mean again we don't really know the details at this point. We just know that there's some kind of negotiation maybe happening or some kind of maybe even peace talks, but they're all secretive and we don't really know what's going on. 
But then there's a malfunction when the transporter, uh, you know, well, transports. <laughs> and uh, to, to as far as the Enterprise can tell, O'Brien, on his wedding day, no less, which is still up in there, is, is going to happen. The person. It's like, wait, I've lost our, our bio readings. Oh, wait, I'm trying to like manually fix this. Oh, no, there's just some meat left <laughs> over on the transporter pad. Oh, shit, she might be dead. <laughs> And then it plays out like the, the Romulans are pissed that this is like, still sounds sketchy, like they've engineered something so they don't have to do these talks. And it's on the way back where Data, of course, uh, figures out that this is all a show and the Ambassador was beamed over and this was all a charade to make them think that she died instead. So they think it's like a kidnapping or something to that effect and they're going there, they go back. They sk- and I did like this moment where Data tries to kind of predict what Picard's going to do. Uh, like he, he sort of like there's a moment of silence and well I mean there's a lot of moments of silence because whenever he starts narrating tend, it tends to be like this this little quiet beat it, it, everything kind of drones out but he's like well you know the, the the most normal proper thing to do in this situation would be to you know report to Starfleet and await further orders but it doesn't you know it's like seventeen percent chance of that happening P- Picard's probably going to do something else and when I mean, Picard turns around and says red alert and just everyone starts getting into gear. It really did kind of feel, and I think this is where I maybe appreciate this more than you saying that we should data shouldn't have been in the crisis as much, is that this is the life of being on a starship where it is all these little mundane things until something like this happens and it is red alert. It felt like everything just completely changed because I, I think I would have liked it if the red alert had hit while data wasn't on the bridge. I think, and then he had to go and you know, okay, now there's a red alert. He has to go up and get involved. That would have interested me more sure so they go to the romulan ship the romulans try to steer picard down they've got a second ship at the end eventually there's actually more coming as well so they're going to be very outnumbered and basically picard is like saying no like we're not letting you kidnap a citizen like this is not happening like we're we're going to fight if we have to fight essentially and data starts comparing it to poker starts talking about bluffing and this is kind of what I like about a lot of this is that it's not like he's starting from scratch and we're dealing with a brand new data who's not understanding anything. This is a data who's trying to adapt things that he's learned over the last three seasons to the situations. And in some cases, he's getting kind of close, but in some cases, he's kind of off. In this situation, he's actually dead on. That's essentially what's happening is Picard is mm-hmm. making a show of strength in the hope that it'll convince the other guy to to back down and that, you know, maybe we don't have to fight today. Um, So... No, I appreciate that. And as I was saying earlier, when there's that scene where the ambassador talks to Data and wants to know some defense, defenses about the, the the ship and what what the deflectors can take. And she has an appropriate authorization code, but Data questions her anyway. Yeah. And she's testing to see if he's, you know, his security is up to snuff. So, uh, so she claims. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, as he walks off, you know, he, and he narrates to himself, and since Vulcans can't lie, which is a neat little sort of hint and tidbit because she's not a Vulcan. <laughs> she's she's a Romulan pretend to be a Vulcan. Uh, so that's a nice little bit of foreshadowing there. But he says, you know, but, you know, I wish I had a gut feeling to, to discuss this. Which, him even saying that at this moment is kind of him having a gut feeling. Bizarrely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and I kind of like that. I like that little touch. Uh, but sure enough, it's revealed that she's Romulan. She was a spy all along and she's just returning to her home. This was just her way of getting back, and Picard should probably turn turn around and go home. And you know, at this point, yeah, there's going to be a five on one advantage for the Romulans. It's probably time to just you know go away, and he does. Not um, not worth it when, you know, as the the Romulan captain points out, we don't have any of your citizens, so 
you know, there's no kidnapping to, to you know, to talk of. If we have one of our citizens. <laughs> yeah, it, it would basically just be an act of war. So, no, so they leave. Uh, and we have a wedding. Uh, you know, well, data, there's a scene where he finds out there's going to be a wedding because Keiko's changed her mind. Uh, and it's one of those things, like, did anything he did, did that actually help? Or was it just the fact that there was a crisis and they were almost in a war with the Romulans that made her kind of realise, oh, wait, I do actually want to get married. I, I realised all my fears about being married were all kind of nonsense now in the face of this, like, almost death that we might have Probably... faced. Probably... Probably the latter. I could have done with another scene in the middle, maybe, of of her kind of coming around a little bit, maybe. Or are you seeing some of this? Not 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 exposition of it, but just kind of seeing some of the process of it changing her mind. I get why we don't. I get why the yeah. whole idea is that we don't see it. Because Data doesn't get to see any of this. So to him, it is just the sudden change. And that's how he reacts. He's like, wait, what? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so no, it kind of... It puts us in his shoes for that, that, that revelation, if one can call it that. So, you know, we have a wedding and Picard makes a speech. He gets to marry them off. and uh, Because as he points out, ever since the olden days, on, on old wooden ships, long before the Enterprise's days, uh, captains get to marry people off on the ship. So, only on their ship, though, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That'd be weird otherwise. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Picard can't do marriages at Starbucks, just, just in case I don't want I mean, maybe if he applies to a license for a license. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. He doesn't have to have a license, though, when he's a captain on his own ship. No, he doesn't. But the, the captain maybe, maybe is the license. Maybe he can, like, commandeer Starbucks and say, I'm requisitioning this as part of my ship for, like, the next <laughs> 10 minutes. A ship captain can't requisition a building. <laughs> maybe he can if with enough authority. It's not. This is not like police commandeering a vehicle, which I'm pretty sure is complete bullshit and just made up in movies anyway. But it's that's not. It's not like that where it's like, oh, I'm taking. Like maybe if they're out in the, sh- the sea. Uh, I mean, get, forgetting the spaceships, but we're talking about actual ships in the water, right? Ship, yeah. Right. You're on a ship, and there's like a little speedboat. Maybe you can say, I'm commandeering this speedboat for use of this this navy operation or something. I don't know. <laughs> but you can't commandeer a building as the navy. Well, all I'm saying is, wartime powers can be extreme. And who knows what they can or cannot do. That's like, I mean, what's next? The, the Air Force commandeering a, a car or a, a... How else are they going to get to the planes? <laughs> oh, dear. Traffic, traffic cop commandeering a plane. That's what's next. It's got to catch up somehow. <laughs> There's some, some parking tickets need to go out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's seven forty seven needs to needs to veer needs to veer off course. Could happen. I I mean I, oh, sure, I d I, I don't know. Uh the episode ends as it started with Data coming back on shift for the night watch. Because Data of course doesn't sleep. So he 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 actually serves all day as Lieutenant Commander and then is sort of on the bridge during the night shift. Which is uh again no It's convenient, isn't it? Well nice touch. Yeah, he gets to fill like a second role, so I guess Starfleet gets to save a bit of money. I, I think he's he's technically not on duty for most of the day shift. Right. True, true. Yeah, he's kind of wander around doing different things. Uh, and I realise before people correct me, I know they don't have any money. It was kind of a loose <laughs> joke. Okay, right. Yeah. I know they don't have money. Yeah, because he's not really on duty. I think up until the crisis, mm. and then he just kind of well, he's there, so he might as well be. <laughs> I don't think it's like he may as well be. I think when they're in a red alert situation, everyone's on duty. No, but even before the red alert, he's kind of... 
There, well, yeah, but right? I, this goes for every episode, though. He's always then on call when stuff when he's needed yeah. for something. Uh, oh yeah, and we, we've seen that with the senior officer. I mean, Riker had his his birthday interrupted. That's right. That's right. Uh, the senior officers. That's just part of being that that high up on the the chain. Is that they're indispensable in moments of crisis. You're, you're so. always on call. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure they get paid, except they don't handsomely for <laughs> for for all that extra responsibility. They they get the good feeling of knowing they have a better rank than the than the the schlubby little red shirts. Sure. That's well, what they next, get in return. On next gen, the red the red, the captain has a red shirt. The saying still works. It doesn't matter. It, it's it's not literal. God damn it! You still use red shirts. It's fine. I do it in other things, but it's weird to use it in Star Trek where all it's the colors have changed. It's weird to use it in Star Trek. It's still the appropriate phrase to use. They are well, still the actually, grunts are still the red shirts, regardless of whether or not the captain's in a red shirt or not. It's fine from like later shows when they're all in one color, or when a movie and they're all in one color. But when they're literally got the same three colors, but they've all swapped around, it's. I mean, it's, it's still a, fine. It's Contextual. I mean, no, no one was hearing me talk about red shirts and go, "Oh, he must be talking about Picard." And Riker. And, and right, yeah, no one was doing that. If, if I said red shirts, everyone knew what I meant, and that's what matters. I enjoyed this episode. I, I, I feel like it was a chance to, just kind of explore just how data reacts to a lot of different situations and we get a lot of this like interspersed over the show of course all these little moments but this was i think had adding his narration to how his thought process is working before he says something that comes out really weird uh gave it a lot of context and it's not something we have to do again uh if ever but it you know i'll be surprised if they do um yeah. so it's it's a one episode gimmick and like i say for me i think it over overdid it on the narration I don't, I don't mind some of it but i think it did it just a bit too much for my taste uh well um, but there are a lot of things in there that i did enjoy car's been a negative nancy but that's that's not that's neither i literally just ended new. that with there are a lot of things in there i enjoyed <laughs> you've had a negative tone all this episode that's all i'm saying i wonder why <laughs> next up episode 12 of the season it's called the winded here's the description on imdb after being fired upon by a Cardassian vessel, not a Kardashian, as I've uh, made the mistake of before. <laughs> the Kardashians evolve and they become this regime in space in the future. And... They're terrifying enough as it is already. I don't really know anything about the Kardashians. I've, I've heard of them. Really. Uh, a bunch of rich people who... No, no one can quite exactly tell me why they're famous, but they just are. But... Uh, I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> anyway, after being fired upon by a Cardassian vessel, Picard races against time to find out the facts behind the Cardassian commander's claim that the Federation attacked one of their outposts. Hmm. Sounds like a good diplomatic and tense hmm? episode. Could be interesting. So, we'll see how that how that goes. Um. So, no. Uh, so, that has been episode 11 of Next Gen Season 4. And we'll be back next time with uh, the Winded. So uh, please do hit the like button. It's super important. And it's the easy and free way to support us. You can also do so financially over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month. And you can also get some bonuses while you're at it. Uh, you can also catch us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. But otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Star Trek. And somewhere out there, 
There's Starfleet Academy. Wesley Crusher is in complete control. Not even of the ladies, just in general. 